0: How dangerous is the sin of pride? Here's Pastor Xavier Reese.
1: God doesn't look kindly on a nation of people who get in the way of God. The Lord Jesus is still in the business of humbling and removing people. You realize that? God removes Saul, Zedekiah, and many others who through pride thought themselves sufficient to fight against God. God warns and warns and warns and he sets a line out there. Once that line has reached, the judgment is final.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When you play with fire, more than likely you'll get burned. And Why is it that sometimes it's the simple lessons that are the hardest to learn? Today, Pastor Xavier explores the consequences of disobedience and indifference to God. Open your Bible to the book of Ezekiel for today's lesson.
1: Ezekiel chapter 29, we're going to look at verses 1 through 21. And the message is entitled, Egypt sowed to the wind. You know the remainder of that, and reap the whirlwind, Hosea. The prophet Ezekiel gives four chapters to the judgment of Egypt, chapter 29 to 32. The section contains seven oracles, each beginning with the phrase, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, all are dated except for chapter 30, verse 1. Seven is the number of completeness and finality, as you know, in Scripture. There are seven Gentile nations. Egypt is the seventh. She was Israel's um, close neighbor, a very powerful nation, as you know. She was uh, very involved in Israel's politics continuously, which was a no-no. She possessed a great danger to Israel, and she had not remembered how God had humbled her through the hand of Moses in the Exodus. She hadn't learned her lesson. The particular details of the um, army of Pharaoh, you have to put on your thinking cap, when we went through Jeremiah. Uh, Pharaoh Necho II, the king uh, of Egypt, by the river Euphrates, at Carchemish, remember which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, defeated him in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, uh, the king of Judah. And it's recorded in more than one place in 2 Chronicles 35, Isaiah 10, and also Jeremiah 46. Babylon had defeated Assyria, and that empire had aided Egypt and Haran in 610 BC under Somaticus and pushed Egypt's army back. Now, the following year, Pharaoh Necho II, the successor of Somaticus, went to relieve the hard-pressed Assyrian army at Megiddo where he met Josiah who was killed in 609 B.C., 2 Kings 23, 28-30 tells that. God told him not to go, but he thought he was a hot man, so he got killed. Jehoiah has. His son was placed on the throne by Necho, remember, only three months later to be imprisoned again and set his brother Jehoiakim on the throne. Pharaoh Necho II did not go back to Egypt. But instead, he fortified Carchemish on the upper Euphrates and uh, as a base remained in control of Syria and Palestine. Now, this took place again in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. We're looking at the book of Jeremiah now. When he burned the word of God, remember, in the fireplace and attempted to arrest Baruch and Jeremiah because he was looking to Egypt for help. In 605 B.C., Jeremiah 25.1 and 36.1-32 told us that. Remember, God hid Baruch and Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, you guys just capitulate. Just give in. God's going to take it. And they call him a traitor. Now, Karchemish means the force of Kamash, the god of the Moabites. The Hittite capital northeast of Israel on the Euphrates River, which again is captured by Pharaoh Necho and then by Nebuchadnezzar. The time, prophetically, is very important because this marked the beginning of the time of the Gentiles, that dream that God gave to Nebuchadnezzar, the head of gold. Now, don't confuse the time of the Gentiles with the fullness of the Gentiles spoken by Paul in Romans eleven twenty-five. The fullness of the Gentile is when God saves the last person before he raptures the church. That's fullness. The time of the Gentile begins the Gentile empires in place of Israel. Nebuchadnezzar, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, prophetic break, church age, Antichrist, 10-Nation Confederacy, okay? The prophet Jeremiah had spoken to the people in Judah and told them that he had prophesied to them, spoken to them for 23 years, but they would not obey him. In Jeremiah 25, 1 through 3. In the same year, 605, Jeremiah was commanded by God to declare the cup of, of fury of the Lord's hand and to cause all the nations to submit to Nebuchadnezzar and they would drink of it. He warned them, Jeremiah 25. Remember, Jeremiah was a contemporary to five kings of Judah. Began Josiah, then his son, Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, then Jehoiachin, and then Zedekiah. We're at the point of Zedekiah. He's in Babylon. Jeremiah is in Jerusalem. Jeremiah is much older, but they're contemporaries. And Jeremiah was contemporary with four of the kings of Egypt. Sematicus, 664 to 609. Pharaoh Necho II, 609 to 594. Sematicus II, 594 to 588. And Pharaoh Hophra which takes place here in what we're talking about, 586 to 568. So the first captivity took place in 606 BC. Daniel and his friends went in. The second siege of 596, Ezekiel went in. We're at the door for the third siege, which will be 586. This is where we'll come now to the judgment of Egypt. And so the prophet Ezekiel gives the judgment of Egypt and unfolds it in three movements for us. A very important time. Let me read for us here. In the 10th year, in the 10th month, on the 11th day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Pharaoh king of Egypt and prophesy against him and against all Egypt. Speak and say, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Pharaoh king of Egypt, O great monster who lies in the midst of his river, who has said, my river is my own I have made it for myself, but I will put hooks in your jaws and cause the fish of your rivers to stick to your scales. I will bring you up out of the midst of your rivers, and all the fish in your river will stick to your scales. I will leave you in the wilderness, you and all the fish of your river. You shall fall in the open field and shall not be picked up or gathered. I have given you as food to the beasts of the field and to the birds of the heaven. Then all the inhabitants of Egypt shall know that I am the Lord, because they have been a staff of reed. To the house of Israel, when they took hold of of you with the hand, you broke and you tore all their shoulders. And when you leaned on, when they leaned on you, you broke and made all their backs quiver. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God: Surely I will bring a sword upon you and cut off from you man and beast. And the land of Egypt shall become desolate and waste. Then they will know that I am the Lord, because He said, "The river is Mine. I have made it." Indeed, therefore, I am against you and against your rivers, and I will make the land of Egypt utterly waste and desolate from Migdal to uh, Sini, as far as the borders of Ethiopia. Neither foot of man shall pass through it, nor foot of beast shall pass through it. And it shall be uninhabited for 40 years. I will make the land of Egypt desolate in the midst of the countries that are desolate. And among the cities that are laid waste, her city shall be desolate 40 years. And I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. Yet, thus saith the Lord God, at the end of 40 years, I will gather the Egyptians from the peoples among uh, whom they were scattered. I will bring back the captivity of Egypt and cause them to return to the land of Pathros, to the land of their origin. And they shall be a lowly kingdom. It shall be the lowliest kingdom, it shall never again exalt itself above the nations, for I will diminish them so that they will not rule over the nations anymore. No longer shall it be the confidence of the house of Israel, but will remain remind them of their iniquity when they turn to follow them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord God. And it came to pass in the 27th year, in the first month, the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, causes his army to labor strangely against Tyre. Every head was made bald and every shoulder rubbed raw. Yet neither he nor his army received wages from Tyre. For the labor which they expended on it, therefore, thus says the Lord God: Surely I will give the land of Egypt to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He shall take away her wealth, carry off her spoil, and remove all pillage, and that will be the wages for his army. I have given him the land of Egypt for his labor, because they work for me, says the Lord God. In that day, I will cause the horn of the house of Israel to spring forth, and I will open your mouth to speak in the in their midst. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Judgment of Egypt, threefold movement. First, verse 1 through 8, you have the indicting judgment against Egypt. Then 9 through 16, you have the devastating judgment against Egypt. And then 17 through 21, the compensating judgment against Egypt. Indictments always come first. God is a very good judge. He always tells you where you go wrong. He always points out, because his ultimate end is to turn people. But when people refuse to turn, then judgment falls. Notice here in verse 1 and 2, we get the commission, first of all, of the prophet Ezekiel. The date is stipulated. Once again, the 10th year, the 10th month. The 12th day of the month. In other words, January the 12th, 587 B.C. Jeremiah 37, 5 through 11 confirms this. 11 months after the siege had begun in Jerusalem. Ezekiel 24, 1 and 2 told us that. And seven months before the fall of Jerusalem. So we're, we're right there at the end. Notice on that day, the inspired word of God came to Ezekiel. The same prophetic formula. This is the 38th time it comes. The word of the Lord came to me saying, He's not trying to bore us, but He's trying to let us know this is message from the throne of God. This is not Him. This is besides many other phrases that declare divine inspiration. Now, notice in verse 2, the prophet is addressed by God. He is identified as His usual title, son of man, human, frail, one of many Israelites. He's commanded to posture Himself for judgment. Ezekiel was to set his face against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, very specific, and prophesy against him. He's the leader. He's the ruler. He's the primary one responsible for the policy and decisions of the nation. But Ezekiel also sets his face against Egypt, all of it, the people. Why? Because the people go along and follow the leaders. But the greater responsibility falls on the leaders. Look at verse 3 through 5. The condemnation of Pharaoh and the people by the prophet Ezekiel is given to us. In verse 3, Ezekiel was to communicate the mind of God to Pharaoh. He was to speak in the authority of God. Speak saying, Thus saith the Lord God. Notice he was to express God's posture towards Pharaoh. Behold, I am against you, O Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He told this to king of Tyre in chapter 28. When God says, I'm against you, it's bad news. (laughs) Bad news. He was to denounce his claim to deity. God viewed the great king as a beast, all oh, great monster who lies in the midst of the river. The phrase great monster means a large dragon or serpent. Is believed to be in reference to the crocodile Leviathan, as Job in Psalm declares. This is the Nile River we're talking about. Nebuchadnezzar saw his kingdom, remember, in chapter 2 of Daniel? The head of gold, big, powerful. But then God shows him how he views the kingdoms of man in Daniel 7. Bunch of animals. Beasts. We get so impressed with ourselves. (laughs) It's amazing. doesn't take much. We really don't have much. But we think we do. Notice still in verse 2, Pharaoh said he was a god. Who has said, he quotes his words, my river is my own. And I have made it for myself. Ooh. Pharaoh believed to be a descendant of the gods. You know that. All the Pharaohs. Pharaoh declared, this is... My river, I created it. I made it for myself. So if you think you're a God, you act like a God. If you think you have no accountability, you live like you have no accountability. This was the sin again of King of Tyre in chapter 28, verse 1 through 10. Notice verse 4 and 5, Ezekiel then was to proclaim what God was going to do to Pharaoh and the people. God has been dealing with Egypt for years. Ever since Moses. This isn't just, you know, impatient God, you know, rah, 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 wrath. Oh, no. Look at verse 4. God was going to hunt Pharaoh down like a crocodile in the river Nile. He's speaking figuratively here, but a literal warning from the position of power, extracting them. But I will put hooks in your jaws. We'll get that phrase again when we get to Russia in Ezekiel 38 and 39. And cause the fishes of your river to stick to your scales. God was going to do the same to all the people. I will bring you out in the midst of your river, and all the fish of the river will stick to your scales. So what's going to happen to the king is going to fall for the people. Same thing. In verse 5, Ezekiel was to proclaim the severity of the judgment. God was going to remove Pharaoh and the people from their land. This is very clear. I will leave you in the wilderness, you and all the fishes of your rivers. And then God was going to not allow them to have proper burial. This is, this is fearful for an Egyptian. Listen. You shall fall on the open field. You shall not be picked up or gathered. I have given you as food to the beasts of the field and to the birds of the heavens. You know the Egyptians spent all this life for the next one. Egyptians put Christians to shame (laughs) because they really believed there was an afterlife except they were deceived that they were going to be part of it. And they put all their time and all their money into it. Can you imagine all your money, all your time and you die and you go, oops. Fearful. Look at verse 6 to 8. The communication of the guilt of the nation by the prophet Ezekiel is given to us. In verse 6, the Egyptians had ignored that he was Yahweh by the judgment. But the judgment would change their minds. Then all the inhabitants of Israel shall know that I am the Lord. This is repeated over and over and over. Not only in this chapter are you going to see it, but throughout the book of Ezekiel, God does what he does in judgment or in blessing or decree so that you may know that he is God, he is Lord. Notice the Egyptians had been a poor dependency of strength for Judah because they have been a staff of reed to the house of Israel. Egypt had been a powerful nation for over 2,000 years. Their, her history shares that. It is so long we can't even accurately catalog her history today. 2,000 years. She bowed to no one. Her archaeological history speaks for itself. Egypt thought herself to be the source and strength of Judah when in fact she was being an obstacle to God's chastening of his people. Keep that in mind when we come to application, okay? Sometimes we think we're Messiah for people and we're in the way of God. The reed is symbolic of something weak and flimsy unable to support much weight. The problem is this, we get caught up with what we see and we assess it, again, to our own understanding instead of believing God. What you see is not what you get in life. Very few times, you understand? Notice verse 7, the Egyptians had added to Judah's hurt. Judah looked to Egypt to deliver them from Nebuchadnezzar but caused greater affliction to them. He says, when they took hold of you with the hand, you broke and you tore all their hand. Judah and her trust of Egypt to deliver from Babylon would only result in further injury. Jeremiah, constantly, chapter 34, chapter 37, throughout his book, he tells them, don't trust in Egypt. Look at seven still. Judah, being disappointed, saw her hopes dash, and when they leaned on you, you broke and made all their backs quake. It was false hope. And there are a lot of people in the church, Christians, who still live with the mind of the world, and they live with hopeless disappointments and false hope because they're still leaning on themselves and the world and not the Lord wholeheartedly. Ezekiel 17, 15 earlier said, but he rebelled against him by sending his ambassadors to Egypt that they might give him horses and many people. And then God says, speaking about Zedekiah, will he prosper? Will he who does such things escape? Can he break a covenant and still be delivered? Three rhetorical questions. Here's the answer to all of them. No, no, no. Zedekiah broke the treaty with, with the pagan king Nebuchadnezzar. Shame on him. As Christians were to be men, women of our word. He was trusting in Egypt, not in God. God says, I'll get you. I'll get you good. As you remember, Sennacherib attacked Jerusalem and told them not to trust in Egypt and that she was a staff of a broken reed in Isaiah 36.6 and 2 Kings 18.21 and made fun of the men at the wall. <laughs> And said, God has sent me to judge you. <laughs> Interesting. Look at verse 8. The Egyptians had declared their own judgment. The authority for judgment was the highest from the throne of God. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, absolute authority. And the judgment was not able to be averted anymore. Surely I will bring a sword upon you and cut off from you man and beast. You remember... Peter said to the wife of Ananias in Acts chapter 5, tell me whether you sold the lamb for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. And Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. And immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And they carried her off. God warns and warns and warns. And he sets a line out there. Repentance is prior to that line. Once that line has reached, the judgment is now for repentance. The judgment is final. No one knows where that line is, but it's there. God doesn't look kindly on a nation or people who get in the way of God. Pharaoh is the classic example to learn from in Egypt, and it's always a type of the world, Egypt. The danger is that we as Christians came out of the world and we're always looking to the world and depending on the world. And God always warned Israel, don't go back. In fact, he told the king in Deuteronomy 17:16, when you get a king, he's not to multiply horses or go back to Egypt. Solomon did both. And then he picked up a couple of chicks and married them and then they stole his heart. Married pagan girls. You be careful of the world, huh? Remember the, what I've always told you. The boat belongs in the water it's when that water gets in the boat and you get in trouble. Be real careful. God removed Saul, Absalom, Zedekiah, many others who through pride thought themselves sufficient to fight against God or got in the place of God. The Lord Jesus is still in the business of humbling and removing people. Do you realize that? <laughs> the problem of men and of women who are Christians is that they see the world sometimes like the people of the world, not under God's control. And they try to control everything. The man of faith, the woman of faith, sees everything under God's control. That does not mean that they don't do practical things. That doesn't mean that they're not wise in what they do and all that. But if they are not looking, recognizing God's on the throne and directing and using the Word of God, then all their efforts are futile. Unless the Lord builds a house, you labor in vain, right? It's meaningless. Listen to Psalm 14, 2. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God. He's just looking. Psalm 33, 12 says... Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. On our money, we say, in God we trust. We should shudder and fear as Americans to have that on our money in view of our national policies and everything else. The indicting judgment against Egypt was final. Final.
0: God will follow through with His judgment. A gentle warning from Pastor Xavier on today's Simple Truths. Now, there's more coming next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, though, you can pick up your own copy of this message. It's available on CD for just $4. The title to ask for is Egypt Sowed to the Wind. And make sure you pick up an additional copy to share with a friend or a loved one. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Egypt Sowed to the Wind And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. How important is obedience? The answer coming up when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths.